0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. I'm here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And Elliot. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And today we are going to talk to you about return to racing. Uh, Specifically, we're going to springboard with Challenge Miami, a race that just happened. Before we get into that, though, if you are enjoying the podcast, First of all, we would love it if you would tell your friends, have them listen, and if you really love it, you can subscribe on any of the places you listen to podcasts. If it's not on a place where you want to listen to podcasts, please let us know and we can try and add that add that channel. And then if you do have any questions or anything like that for us, please reach out to any of us and we'd love to get back to you. We're going to kick off the show with a listener question, which Marilyn's going to read to us now.
1: Yeah. We had someone type into us. Thanks for taking the time to do that. And they're interested to know how do we keep our athletes and our own motivation as the races continue to be maybe not quite on the horizon. So we're going to talk about racing today, but you know, for some people they're not on the horizon yet. And they are wondering how we keep the, keep our own motivation and our athletes motivation up for that time period.
2: Yeah. And so I think, Sorry, everybody. We're talking over each other. So um, How how do you stay motivated and how do we keep our athletes motivated if there's no races on the horizon? And I think it's pretty simple in a crazy year like this at this point, now that we're a year into it. Essentially, keep everything they're doing fun and entertaining and training does not have to be the X's and O's. And basically, if you're getting out, it's a win, because if you're really not motivated, your option is nothing or something. And so anything that you can do is going to be a positive. And I think in a scenario like this, you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of slack and say, hey, I got out the door for X, Y, Z. And so for a lot of athletes, that might mean leaning into the things that maybe are your strengths or the things you enjoy. And maybe you take a little bit of a break from something you don't enjoy. Um, basically keeping in mind that if you're doing something, it's better than nothing. And that's going to be a good place to start. So when maybe some of that motivation naturally returns or those races return, you're going to be at least ready for part of your triathlon.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, um, doing what is fun or doing something like totally different. If you're used to doing like Ironman training, I'm going to do a bunch of like, like sprint training or something different to, to keep, keep it engaged. And and fun is, is exactly what you want to do when you're losing motivation, when they keep kind of pulling Ironmans out from underneath you. But I think staying moving is kind of the most important thing and finding a way which you can do that, that's enjoyable for now. And you can focus on what you need to later.
1: Yeah. The only thing I would add to that guys real quick is that like for the people who are getting, they're super motivated for a race and then it got yanked out from underneath them. The conversation I've had with some athletes is remember that races are just like one day out of so many days that we wake up and train. So sort of retouch base with why you, why you do this in the first place and know that, Hey, races are going to come back and you're going to get to do those events, but they're really only just One day out of, you know, so many days that we get out there and enjoy what we do. So stay connected to that.
0: Awesome. So now we're going to talk about challenge Miami. I was fortunate enough to be able to do a race and experience racing as it looks in, in 2021. Yeah,
1: that was pretty cool. You actually got to get out. So like we, you know, people are wondering and I know a lot of people have asked me, you know, okay, where some people are actually getting to get out there and go and you've got the unique experience. Um one, some of these challenge races are just a completely different format than we've ever seen in racing before, which I I would we really want to dive into how you found that and you know what your experience was, what the changes were, what the differences that were. And people are wondering, you know, what's it going to be like coming back to racing. One like how different is it at, with the changes and just after not being out there for so long. So, you know, you got to be out there and, and experience that. How was that, Jesse?
0: Uh it was it was a pretty weird experience. You know, like getting on a plane after not getting on a plane for a year and a half alone was uh was you know kind of like scary. Like oh I'm like near people. Am I allowed to do that? That was uh the the whole thing was definitely a little bit a little bit different. And then yeah the specific race experience as well was definitely a little bit different. It's just as far as how everything was run. And so you kind of had to like, make sure you were kind of mentally prepared for things to just be a little bit different. You had to be a little more relaxed, because there was going to be a little lag time, like to get into the venue, everyone had to get a temperature check, which meant there was a long line you had to wait in before you could even get into the parking lot. So, you know, a lot of triathletes are somewhat type a and you know get a little bit neurotic race morning and want to have everything's happen the way they want to happen and i'd say there was just a few more hurdles that you kind of had to jump through and so you kind of had to just be like a little more relaxed build in a little more time and try not to like get super worked up about these these kind of smaller extra hurdles steps you had to go through in order to even say get to the race itself
1: yeah i think If you could share with us even more specifically, I mean, you and I, we spent some time together outside the podcast here and I ask you a lot of questions like, you know, how did they run an inside scoop? This might be relevant for people who are racing amateur or or may, you know, different professionals out there may or may not be, but they even set you up with like, what was it like um, with, you know, testing before making sure that the athletes were safe? Like how did, how did all of that go? Like what was, you know, we normally just fly to a race and fly in and go pick up our race packets and go look at, you know, our venue and all of that. Like, what were the big changes even before you got on the plane and and preparation? And then, you know, like you step back even further from race morning from there.
0: So, yeah, but before I 44, 48 hours before I got on the plane, I had to have a negative result, um, test submitted. So I had to get a test done within that kind of time window before I got on the plane so that I could email that so that I could kind of get into the host hotel. So that's, there was a, like a athlete coordinator there who was checking all the, all the negative results before we got there. And then once we got there, basically within 12 hours of, of landing, depending on what time we landed, we had to get a a test there in the hotel, which was just a rapid test. But then they, they had like the, the PCR just in case that came back positive so that they could check it to make sure it was accurate. Um, so you had your test before you boarded and then you had your test rate when you got there and assuming those two were negative, then you were good for the weekend. As long as you were kind of staying within the zone of like the host hotel and the race site. But then every time you entered the race site, even if you entered and left on the same day, you had to get re re temperature scanned to make sure you didn't have a fever. Um, And then if people arrived late after the original testing or didn't submit a test ahead of time, they had to get a rapid test, like basically twice a day before the race.
1: Wow. So just even, even before you even headed there, more logistics, like we're not, we're a little rusty on our skills as far as, you know, like you say, like packing a bike box and flying and, you know, all of those things, but just being prepared for that there might be a few more steps involved to even heading to a race than normal, I think is something everyone needs to be prepared and, and expect as they head to the races. Yeah, and
0: even my wife who was spectating had to get a negative test to spectate the race
2: huh. and she's vaccinated. So, and we all have our shots as of yesterday yeah. or at least our first, um, I, I had a question about the actual race course itself. So, so just walk us through how that course was different from any other races you've done before. And so we're talking specifically about the challenge Miami race and, and what was different about that and what, what was more or less the same. Um,
0: so yeah, the, uh, the race course was the road circuit track of the NASCAR course in Homestead, Miami speedway. So it was a 2.2 mile loop. That it wasn't just like the oval that you kind of picture it was part of the oval and then you kind of cut through the middle of the oval and did this little like uh, 180 degree turn and then kind of through like a couple of corners and like a chicane and then back out onto the oval. So it made it from like a mile and a half, all the way up to 2.2 miles with kind of that turny section in the middle of the race course.
2: And, and how technical were those turns?
0: Uh, there was one turn that was 180 degrees. And then the other corners were like closer to 90. Um, and like when we rode the, when we pre-rode the course, it it wasn't too bad, but then on race day, it was like 20 mile an hour winds. And they were basically how the corners were laid out. It was a, a crosswind through the middle of each of the corners. So, um, depending on how the wind hits you, it could kind of like
2: throw you a little bit. So, but, but technically speaking, not to throw you under the bus, but you're not the best of bike handlers. And, um, and so I'm curious, like, were they actually difficult corners or was it more just, yeah, you had to get out of the bars for two seconds and then you were kind of right back into them. Uh, no, I mean, yeah,
0: just out of the bars for two seconds and back in, um, there was like two corners that were close together. So if you kind of threw your line off through the first corner, it could mess you up to the second corner. So then it might be like you're out the bars for both those corners in a row.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, I saw most of the, the taller guys stay in the bars pretty well through the corners. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the, he- the and- bigger, heavier guys who don't get blown by the wind as much.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. I saw the girls that were, you know, my size, um, <laughs> have a little more trouble. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a few girls who are pretty skilled that that could, that could manage them pretty well, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was definitely technical. It's not, it wouldn't be my choice of a race course, but I think that the format could actually be like the future of the sport, like 17 laps, a few corners to keep it interesting, super spectator friendly. Like if there wasn't very many spectators there because they weren't allowing many in, but, uh, if, if, this continues i think you could have like a full stand there and then they have like the press boxes with the cameras and you could really get a a really cool like front row seat
2: to all the action it all being right there and was it it, was it difficult to like like navigate around the other athletes or did you like in terms of passing getting past or did you feel like there was plenty of space to do that
0: uh there was definitely plenty of space to do that we we had a hour and 15 minute long pro meeting, where we spent a lot of time talking about um, drafting and passing and how that was going to work because some of the turns were left and some of the turns were right. So it made it hard to say, well, you have to pass on the left or you have to pass on the right. Um, so that made the rules, like they kind of left it to intent and if it was safe. And and then um, there was a penalty given on course that seemed like the athlete was doing something that was safe but the ref still said it was like against the rules. So I think that getting the rules definitely sorted out so that that kind of thing doesn't happen is going to be a must if they continue this format, because uh, in my mind, what she did was totally fine. Um, but so up if you watch that-
2: the race, I'm assuming you're talking about Lucy Charles getting a yeah. penalty for mm-hmm. a safe pass or if yeah. watching on TV, it looked like a safe pass to me.
0: Right. But we were, I think we were supposed to pass on the, we were supposed to ride left, pass, right. And then that mm-hmm. got a little backwards to the one corner. But um anyways, her pass gotcha. looked totally looked totally fine. The racetrack is super wide. So is so yeah, I didn't see any issues there of it being unsafe. Gotcha. More
2: of just a logistical from the race, the race officials standpoint. Right. And uh what's the swim like there? So they had this little pond
0: in the middle of the racetrack, and I have no idea if every racetrack has a little pond like this, that makes it like, so it could be feasible in every NASCAR track or not. But um, yeah, it was just a little like 800 meter long pond that was way better than Tempe Town Lake for a point of reference. Uh, It was uh, not the cleanest pond I've ever swam in, but it was totally fine. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I wonder also just in terms of the format of that style of racing, is that, is that something that you, you, you mentioned like, okay, this could be the future of the sport. It could be exciting, that kind of thing. How, just like for sake of conversation, how would that look for an amateur field, like, and, you know, spreading out safety, um, would it change the dynamic of the, the sport? And even, even just like your tactics during the race, like I, how did that how did that change? Like, how was that when you were actually racing? Okay, those I'm asking two separate questions now, but like the tactics of how you approached it in a race format like that. And then the other question I have is, would this be something that would even be a race format that would work for anything other than the professional field? So two questions, sorry.
0: Uh, so to tackle your your amateur question on the course, I think how challenged it for this race is the the amateur field left the oval as opposed to our race, which was completely contained. And I think it would have been a nightmare to have 500, 2000 athletes all in that oval at the same time it would have been impossible. So our field of like 55 men or whatever, um, there was a lot of athletes on the course there. So if you were going to try and, you know, do something with 2000 athletes, like an Ironman has in it, that's not going to fit on the track that you need to come up with something different and, um, but whether it is like okay, so the amateur race goes outside the track, and then you watch the the pro race inside the track. That that format seems like it could um, it could work. Um, I'm glad I'm aging out of the sport fairly soon because it does does not suit me at all. But it could be a uh, a good way to do it. Um, and then as far as tactics during the race, it definitely. It was, it was definitely interesting because they had a lap board and you could see 55 of us spread out all over like three different laps in any given time. So people were passing, going fairly different speeds. And then there was like a 20 mile mile an hour block headwind stretch and then a 20 mile an hour tailwind stretch. So, um, yeah, that definitely kind of made things play out kind of differently in, in how you raced and, and where you went hard and. Um, one of the things I guess we talked about a little bit before the podcast is how I personally raced it. And I had like kind of a goal wattage plan and everything, and then immediately started riding and did not think about my race plan. One second, once I started riding, I just went for it and I could go pretty hard in the headwind stretch. So I went really hard in the headwind stretch and then backed off a little bit in the tailwind stretch. And then, um, you know, I struggled a bit to maintain power through the curves in the middle. So that was a little bit off the gas. So it was kind of like on the gas, off the gas, and that was, um, not a way in which I'm used to racing, which I think kind of led to the run I had by not being quite ready for, uh, kind of such a high VI race.
1: So based on that conversation of. You know you had a race plan going in and then as soon as you started to race you're like oh obviously this format is completely different than what i had thought what were like stepping back now your goals going into the race and then how it played out and i mean as we go forward into other races like there's going to be like saint george and florida and tulsa and these kinds of things so obviously those are going to be a different dynamic altogether but if we're sticking in particular with Miami. And like you say, you, you went in with a certain idea and race plan. So obviously you had some goals going into this race and, and then, you know, you had to just go on the fly with the race plan when you were there, how did, how did that all change up and play out for you?
0: So I tried not to have like huge expectations going into my first race after a year and a half, and I would encourage most people to have to keep their expectations, like, um, I don't want to say low, but keep their expectations on the fun side of like getting back to racing and experiencing a race and enjoying being out there and, and less about, I think I can ride these Watts and and run this. Um, so and- if you
2: kept your expectations low, did you have like, did you have spe- specific goals or expectations at all?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I thought like I had some some Watts I was shooting for and a pace I was shooting for on the run. Like, so I did exactly what I just said not to do. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, just cause I did, it doesn't mean it's right. You know, I, I, um, so yeah, I, I, I had some power targets and then I had some, some pace goals that, that I had in mind, but, but really my main goal is just to like get back to racing and try and go hard. And then, you know, I'd say usually I like to be in say like the top third of the, of the professional field, Um, and,
2: and, you know, Did you have that in mind with this specific field as well? Yeah. Okay. So how did, how did, like, how did having those thoughts in your head? So once you like walk us through, like once you were three quarters of the way through the swim, like what kind of thoughts were you having as to those pre-race goals and how you were actually racing? and what were you aware of in the water? And then what were you aware of, like once you were two miles into the bike and, and how did that change your thinking?
0: Um, so yeah, I guess going back slightly earlier in the swim, the swim start was total chaos. And I um, kind of lost touch of basically where anyone was within the first two minutes because there was just people hitting me from every direction. But I kind of settled in 400 yards in and then realized that we were going too slowly. So then i started swimming hard to kind of bridge up to the next group caught up to the next group and was like okay this is hard this is good so i felt like i kind of made a decent tactical move there and i felt like i was getting in the water in a pretty good spot um i had no idea where i was but i felt like it was okay um and then started riding and the legs felt good and i was like you kind of pretty quickly get to the headwind stretch And I was looking down at the power and I was like, okay, power is like too high. So like, I got to calm down. Like, all right, this is good. This is a good sign. And I could see some other riders on course, not that far in front of me. And I kind of could keep them in sight. And then, but then kind of the more corners we went through, the, the bigger, the gap they got was. But my, my kind of thought that I kept having in my head is that like, this isn't a super short race or a super long race, but it's long enough that some people are going to crack. So if I just stay on the gas long enough, I'll catch up to some people by the end of the race. And that just kind for of
2: the listener, what were the exact distances?
0: It was a 1600 meter swim. It was 39 mile ride and a 10 ish mile run.
2: So it's in between that Olympic and half Ironman. Man.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with people going full gas, I kind of thought like a little under three hours could, could maybe crack some people or at least have them fizzle fade.
1: (laughs) I think it's important to note here is that, um, actually, I mean, because we know you personally, you're, you're really fit going into this race and, you know, you're a talented athlete, a fast athlete, competitive really fit you've been putting in work all year it's not like you looked at this race and just started training eight weeks before something like that and you know I've, i've seen you really kill it on some sessions so you know now that you've been through that format of race and we're out there and you knew your goals going in was there something you know you you sort of made a small mention of it earlier was there something really specific in your preparation that now that you you learned from that format that you would say okay, well, this is going to work for how we normally would race. Was it was it spe- more specific to the format of that race or like specific to, I haven't raced in a year that you would change in your preparation or where you're like, actually, I got the most out of myself for the preparation that I had, or this is what I would change versus like going forward into a different type of format. Walk us through that and where your thoughts are and, and what you felt.
0: So I would say my my build was, um, somewhat more of like a traditional 70.3 build with a slight more, a slightly higher focus on intensity than maybe I would normally do. Um, and I thought that was like, I felt fit going in. I felt like I was in a good spot, but I didn't do a ton of, um, a ton of like high intensity change workouts, like I don't know 2020s or thirty thirties or something where i was going really hard and then having to repeat that over and over again
2: like variable pace on the bike in particular
0: yeah because that's what this this course was with like the, the block headwind tailwind punching out of the corners ah. and and also like i um you know like like elliot alluded to i'm, I'm not the most technical savvy so I, I probably would have included some more spiky stuff and then some more cornering practice and cornering in the bars and and riding hard and i also probably would have brought multiple front wheels so i could have ridden a slightly
2: shallower front wheel um all kind were you aware that that might be an issue before the race started the the front wheel no (laughs) (laughs) so you would have brought a shallower wheel went with the deep one and then been like shoot should oh, have the show.
0: Oh, I mean, once I got there, yeah. Once I was once, oh, I once rode-
2: you got there, you were aware. Once yeah. you got there, you were like, dang, I wish I had whatever 20 less mils of front wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough.
1: And do you feel so- like that was just because you haven't raced for a year or like that wouldn't have made any difference? Like, because some of this is sort of just out of practice with our race gear, you know, and like that exact same course, that exact same scenario, that exact same wheel, you do it time, you know, next time again or would you think like no matter how practiced i was um that equipment was the wrong equipment choice for that style of racing like is there a was it a preparation and out of practice situation or just the course
0: so on the bike stuff i think it was more the course than Then preparation out of practice, I think like, fortunately, um, given that we've got like the shootout in town here, I get a lot of practice, like riding hard in like kind of a race simulation setting. So I've I've done some hard riding and, and felt like pretty good riding hard. I, I just think some of that stuff was the course. I think what was the preparation is I haven't done a ton of like long, hard runs off the bike. So then going to this race and then having to run 10 and a half miles hard after a really hard bike like that, I got partway through and I was like, Ooh, it's just 10 and a half miles feels long. All of a sudden, this is, this is a long way. This is a lot of ovals to run. Um, so that was more of, I think a lack of preparation there where I, I should have maybe, even if it just was like once where I did, um, uh, a longer, harder run off the bike, that would have been probably enough to say, okay, like there's a certain amount of suffering you need to be ready for in, um, that co- goes along with that. And and I think
2: Do you think that was more like your mental, like, do you think you would have made a change in your physical? Well, you clearly would have made a change in your physical preparation, but do you think there's much you could have done it to change in your mental preparation heading into that race to give you like the ability to be ready for the unpreparedness or I shouldn't say unpreparedness, but the, the, you, you were prepared, but it was a different thing than you were expecting. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought I was in a pretty good headspace,
0: like, um, you know, going through the whole race. And so I I feel like, um, I feel like mentally wasn't too bad. Maybe like mentally prepared to execute the bike um, a little more intelligently. Um, But above and beyond that, I think, I think, yeah, just like maybe doing one or two hard sessions that reminded me how to suffer so that the, the run, I I could step down a little more and, or step up a little more to what I'm capable of instead of kind of like settling in. And, um, I think doing those sessions physically would give me that mental confidence and mental reminder on, on how to do that mentally.
1: Now, one thing I want to say on this topic is that a couple weeks before you actually set a PR and a half marathon in training. So you had done a 13 mile run pretty hard. I mean, to set a PR, you're going pretty hard or fast. One of the two, right? So what I'm hearing from you is a little bit of more, not necessarily that you didn't understand like running fast for 10 miles because you ran fast for 10 miles, two weeks before it was. um, Do you feel like it was more this, the specific of that type of ride where it's like the on off that you weren't quite prepared for? or out of practice for and then running off the bike so it's like course like being specific about the style of racing and course because you know someone say oh yeah well running off the bike long and hard but you really did i mean you ran a pr half marathon two weeks before so you did run long and hard before this race
0: yeah no yeah i mean i feel like i was i was run fit like you said i I did run a pr so but i think i didn't do any like super hard brick runs. I did like some shorter, harder brick runs, like two or three, four or five miles where there's a couple miles hard in there. Um, And then I, yeah, like I didn't do any massively, like any like over under rides where I tried to run well off of that. So I think doing something a little more specific to the race where it's like, okay, ride really hard and then try and run really hard for more than two miles off of that and see what that feels like, see what your legs and hips feel like when they're totally loaded like that, um, is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what racing is. And that's like the little bit that I just wasn't
2: quite prepared for. And this is such a unique year since normally I I'm assuming that all of us, um, like to have people actually do a race like why do you do a sprint distance triathlon if you're getting ready for an Ironman sometimes it's just to practice the motions of everything that we've been talking about today and sometimes it's like you said just like oh this is really what racing feels like and in right now you can't really practice it you you know you're most people listening to this are probably heading into a race that they feel way less prepared for than usual um but there you go
1: Yeah, I think if we're going to take like if if everyone who's listening, if they're thinking, okay, well, I am headed to a race here in a couple of weeks. What what can I take away from this? I think, um, you know, what I'm hearing is we're a little out of practice on racing, like you just said, Elliot. And so to keep that in mind, so make sure your expectations are in line with that or that you're just mentally prepared to know, okay, you know, this is something that I haven't done in a little while. And that level of discomfort is something we got to get familiar with again. And if you're headed to a race pretty soon, really start to research the specific details of that race. So, and know, okay, I might be really, really fit and I've been training for the last 15 months or maybe more and and in good condition, but am I really specifically choosing the right equipment, um, specific in my preparation in terms of, you know, what type of intensity. So like you said, you actually had done quite a bit of intensity, but it was just a tiny bit off the mark specific for that type of race. So could have you've done just, you know, it might only been three or four sessions that were a bit more specific to your style of race. So if you're looking at Tulsa or you're looking at St. George or Florida, you can say, okay, what is it specifically is my race going to look like because I haven't done this in 12 months. And so even though, yeah, I'm fit, I've been training, I practice in my kit and all my race equipment, but like really dial into specifically the course that you're going to be racing on and and make sure you've done a couple sessions to be ready for that. And then Like you just said, Ellie, I mean, we can't, we can't totally simulate racing. Racing is different than training. And so just be prepared for that to know, Hey, it's gonna, I remember Jesse, when you came home, I said, how was it? And you said, whew racing's hard. That was the first thing out of your mouth, Yeah, well, racing's hard and it's harder than what, maybe what we remember. And that's okay. That's the fun part of it. Right. That's why we go do it. We get something a little more out of ourselves when we go and do these events. And so, um, you know, get excited about that, you know, and, and if it, it might go like lifetime best and it might be like, oh man, I feel a bit rusty, you know, those kinds of things. So I think it's kind of cool to, to get an inside view of someone who, got to get out there on a race course and, and, you know, where are we at right now? Sort of kind of thing, little checkpoint type type scenario.
2: I'm actually curious. So like Jesse, it seemed like you were relatively mentally, uh, in a good place and and sure the, the variable bike pace was maybe something you weren't prepared for, but it seemed like one you've, you've had enough experience and two, you were fit enough that you kind of just, um, dealt with and it didn't mess with your headspace too much, but what would you guys do if you were in a situation where that, that happened and it did mess with your headspace and kind of threw you off your mark and you were having trouble focusing, what are some things you would do to kind of help recenter yourself and get focused back on the race?
0: Every time I race, I always try and like think about the exact moment of the race that I'm in and not try and think about what just happened. And really not trying to think about what's going to happen. I try to think about what's happening right then. So if like, you know, whatever, if, if the pace is, is variable, but I'm trying to think about that exact moment, then I'm trying to think about what effort am I holding right now? And, and yeah, if something's in the past, then I'm not going to worry about it till after the race. And then if something's coming up, I might start to think about it as it approaches, but really trying to stay, stay right there. And, um, and then hopefully you can kind of use that to even things out a little bit and, and not. You know, I, I really try and let go, like if a crappy swim. it doesn't matter anymore. Cause now it's time to ride. And I mean, like, like in this race, when I got into the run, I was like, this is not the position I wanted to get off the run in. It was like, okay, well, like my run training has been going well, I'm going to worry about this lap of the run and yeah, really, really super small chunks and, uh, try and stay, stay in the moment, focused on the task at hand.
1: Marilyn.
2: All right. I was going to say, well, I know f- for myself, I always like uh, if you're a running dork, you've probably read Once a Runner 20 times or so. Um, but I-, I know in the book there the the, the main character is talking about, is interviewed by somebody who said, what are you thinking about during the race? And he said, oh, we're all thinking about the same thing, the race. But he's talking specifically about people in the Olympic finals. And so I do think when you're at the top end of the sport, most people have figured out a way to stay in that head space, but it's really hard to get there. And like, can you remember back to like some of your early races or before you you kind of made it to the pro level where your head's kind of bouncing all over the place and you're having trouble focusing. And and I, I know for me, you know, when you kind of get frustrated, you just kind of have to take like one for me personally, it's like you get one breath and then you have to kind of just, okay, well, what can I do? And what it's like, what can I do? That's positive. Even if everything is going wrong, you know, if you literally, if you just crashed your bike, well, what do you do? The first thing you do is you probably get up and pick your bike up and you don't say, Oh shoot. You just start doing the next thing. Um, so is there anything else you guys have done in in races when, when things have kind of gone wrong where you've managed to right the ship or at least lessen the damage?
1: Yeah, I, uh, One story I have from way back is, um, I had swimming was always an issue for me in my racing. And I had invested like three months of the most intense swim training of my life to go into what was my main, my, my number one dream and love race was Ironman Canada. It's where it all started for me. It was like the one race that meant so much to me. And I, I knew my swimming was my Achilles heel invested everything I was into that race to, to be able to swim well there. I was in good shape overall. And I got out of the water and I had the worst swim of my career. And I was no joke, like 20 minutes behind. I was like dead last out of the water, 20 minutes behind. And in that moment, I had a choice to either just pack it in and completely get dwell on that and give up or ride my bike and run as hard as I could with the fitness that I had. And I ended up fourth that day, Um, you know, and it was all you know, I've, I biked and ran fast and I, and I should have been on the podium and I was in condition to do that, but I swam. So it was literally, it was the worst swim of my career of my career. And, um, you know, I think in that moment when I hopped out of the water, I stood up and I realized like I ran over to the rack and there was not another single pro female bike in the rack. And I, you know, got a split to where, where the front group lead girls were the top three girls and i was i could have just been like oh man that is just too much time to make up or i could just put my head down and start riding and running to the to the capability of the preparation they put in just see what happens i mean you kind of got two choices you got you know you got choices in those moments it's like go after it or give up you choose and i think when you put a lot of preparation into something and you're there anyways, <laughs> you might as well give it everything you got and see what happens so that you don't look back and go, well, I wonder, I wonder what could have happened if I committed myself to, in that moment. And so, you know, fourth, wasn't what I wanted, but it wasn't that bad either. You know, fourth, isn't terrible in a, in a pro women's race. So yeah.
2: One, one spot off the podium.
1: Oh, dang. Right.
2: Or Should, that's why you became a bike racer. Cause podiums <laughs> go five deep. Um,
1: yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God
2: um yeah i i like to think of kind of like the way i think of transitions is often the same way i think of any race which is just i'm trying to figure out a way to move efficiently from the start line to the finish and it's like no panicking you know like you know just kind of stay in the moment and and trying to do something properly at an appropriate pace is always going to be the best reaction whether you're in transition trying to you know put on your shoes or buckle your helmet Um, or if, or if, you know, you dropped your nutrition and you have to make a decision on, on what do I do now that I'm a couple hundred calories down, or I lost a bottle, like what's the next best choice to, to kind of stay in this moment. And, you know, sometimes like, let's say you drop a bottle or you went way too hard early on. Um, like, let's say you went out the first climb at Ironman Canada, way too hard, you know, then what do you do on the second climb? Well, it's a really long race and you're still only on this, you're still on the bike in that case, yeah, maybe you're going to climb that climb slower, but kind of stay in the moment and say, yeah, I bit off more than I can chew. But if I hydrate and I keep fueling and I am a little more patient than I was early on, I can have a comeback in this race. You know, like one of Jesse actually was at this race. One of my worst races ever. I did all of the things wrong, including, um, like I've spoken about before using, um, uh, spray to get off my wetsuit as sunscreen. Cause I thought it was sunscreen in the dark, but I also dropped my chain early in the race and I had to get off my bike. Cause it got jammed between my frame and I threw my back out trying to pull my chain out. Oh, right. <laughs> so like, there's not much more, like you don't want to throw your back out six miles into a half Ironman bike split. And so then I, you know, I hopped back on, I probably got after it a little too quickly. And then eventually my back was ruined in the last final climb in wildflower. And I was just spinning up in my easy, easy scared completely out of the race, but whatever, I took the time to go there. I had trained and sure enough, early in the run, I was walking up backwards up the hill, but eventually I was like, well, all you can do is go forward. Right. And I can quit or I can go forward and yeah, it's terrible. And I wasn't doing well, but eventually my back calmed down enough that I was able to run. And then once I was able to run, I was able to run really fast because I hadn't tried the last two hours. I was just limping along, trying not to further injure myself. And so like, that's like that race was absolutely terrible. But at the end of the day, I at least got to push myself the last hour of the run. And so then I take, I, I leave saying, yeah, this was a really bad race with a bunch of really funny stories, but at least I got to push myself, you know, early in the race and at the end of the race. Um, kind of like salvaging something in terms of like self-respect and, and like still feeling good about Jesse, any other tips?
0: Yeah. One other, one other take home from the race experience that I had is that kind of after, after the race in hindsight, I was looking at the data and then looking at previous successful race data and I noticed a lot, a lot of differences and then I was kind of like, man, it probably would have been a good idea to look through some of my successful race files ahead of time and looked at like what I did right in these races and maybe apply that to this race instead of only doing that after the fact. Um, so I would do that. I would look at races you've done right and look at how you paced them, look at what your cadence was. Um, You know, hopefully you had like a fueling strategy re- written down that you used and and kind of, get all those things in your head for how you approach this next race, uh, this race coming up, especially cause you haven't done that in a while. And you kind of think all those things are ingrained. Like at challenge Miami, my, my average cadence was like 80 or something. And if I look back like even a successful Ironman of mine, it's like 89 or 90, which is a pretty big difference. Um, <laughs> in, yeah. case unaware, in case you're case unaware, that's a pretty big difference. That's 12%. Um, so, So, you know, maybe, maybe had I done that ahead of time and um, so, yeah, I would, I would really recommend, especially since it's been so long, like, you know, take a look at some previous race files, talk about them with your coach, or just look over them yourself and really ask yourself like what you did, right. What made those races a success. And then think about the, the personal take homes for you that you can apply to this next race, even if it's a very different race or race format. There are definitely a lot of things you must done right for that success. So really try and internalize what those things are that might make a
2: big difference in how you perform in this next race. And uh, I would say if you have, if you don't have a lot of that race experience, your biggest training sessions, right? The big training sessions that you've done that really went well go through and and do exactly what Jesse just said, but for your long ride or for your long runner, maybe you did a big brick or a big swim session. And what are those cues that helped you be successful in those workouts and in those races and focus on the positive ones. And then you also want to go through maybe and see what you did wrong on the negative ones, but those are more just like okay, I forgot to bring water. So this one, I'll bring water. So you make a list of what you change, but you don't make a list of what you did wrong necessarily. Whereas when you're looking through the good efforts, you try to, like you said, internalize that and and make that kind of your focus and what you focus on. And then even if you do screw it up, once you're in the middle of the race, you say, how do I get back on track? And you refocus on those other good uh, experiences.
1: So one thing that I'm really curious about is... What were we know about the preparation and, you know, how we felt mentally and, and actual race execution and stuff like that. But let's um let's still touch base on what were the big differences in just what racing might look like for us with with COVID. You know, it's yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a year, but it's also we know things might be, we don't want to go there thinking they're going to be the same as it always was. Right. Like what are the big changes that you noticed? You talk a little bit, talked a little bit about what needed to happen before you even got there. But like, once you were there, like, and you're actually in the race during the race, were the athletes any different? Were the aid stations any different? Did you feel any different? Like what, what were the big changes?
0: Yeah. So there's definitely a different, a slightly different vibe there. Everything was like, you know, a bit more spread out, even just like packet pickup and then how you interacted with, with volunteers or how you didn't interact with volunteers. Um, it was very, yeah, there's very low interaction, which, you know, usually you get a little friendly banter and things like that. And this was a little bit more like, um, you know, you're just taking your bag and, and there's nobody there. And, and then, like we were lucky enough to have an in-person briefing, but I believe that the amateur field, it was like all like online. So I know that's a lot different to, to, you know, uh, to pay attention and really internalize what's going on in an online briefing versus when you're standing there. So there's a little bit more of that, like remoteness and maybe feeling a little bit less connected until you actually got to be there with the athletes on race day. And then even then, like we're all, we're wearing a mask until, we walked into the water. So it was like we were pretty far away and then we we did come closer together. We were all masked up, which I mean, we're all getting much better at um, like being around other people like that, but it's it's a little bit harder to kind of read emotion on people's faces when you're wearing a mask. So it makes that kind of pre-race, those pre-race conversations you might normally have that are kind of light or whatever else, like a little bit more like serious because it's a little bit harder to like pick up on jokes through a mask. So just some things like that, that just felt a little bit different. Um, But then when the gun went off, it's kind of like, like back to racing as as usual because you know, the gun went off and you're going Um, but the aid stations were a little bit different. So that, that was another thing that was different. Uh, I actually didn't use an aid station on the bike. And I think they were fairly similar, just like um, grabbing the bottles But aid stations on the run were, were different. And I actually don't know if they did bottle hand ups, you might have to grab a bottle off a table or stop to get a bottle on the bike. Um, aid stations on the run, everything was spread out on the table and you didn't come close to the volunteers. They were pretty far away on the other side of the table. And so you had to grab a cup off the table or you had to grab like a gel or, or something and in past races, like they might open something for you and be like pre open. this was all you had to do it yourself. And they also had like little cans of Coke, which I'm a big uh, believer in Coke at the end of a race. And it's, so you had to like, you, the old like airplane cans, you had to like crack open a can of Coke while you're running. And then of course it's going to be fizzy because it didn't get time to like flatten in a cup, but it's like kind of more sanitary for them just to give you the small can. So it's just a few things like that, that were like a little bit logistically different. And then right when you cross the finish line, of course they slap a mask on you. So you're kind of like sweating all over this thing and then inhaling your own sweat which you know isn't quite the most fun but you know it means you get to do a race and be a little bit closer to the volunteers and and so it's you know obviously worth it but um i'd say a couple of differences you just need to kind of be ready to kind of go with the flow and you know you might need to slow down a little bit more for aid stations and i would definitely look at your specific race and know how it's going to be and it might change like your feeling strategy based on how they're going to do the aid stations. Um, but yeah, I mean a little different, but still, still a race. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. So overall, I think people can just be prepared that it's going to, it's going to be different, but the differences aren't so enormous that, you know, I've heard certain people say, Oh, it's going to be so different racing, you know, with, COVID situations that's not even worth going. I, I don't think it's that kind of situation. It's like it's still a great time out there. You still get all the things that you need. You still get to have a great race, get out there, test yourself, be around peers, all of those things. They're just small differences that are, you know, new tolerances that we, we're we going to get used to as well. You know, there they might be things that will change a little bit, but we'll get used to them.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if this is your first race, it's going to be, you know, it's, you're not even going to notice. So
1: <laughs> right. it doesn't even matter. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your experience at Miami with us, Jesse. I think, you know, when you get someone who gets to, you know, it's like jumping off a cliff, you go first, (laughs) you know, and everyone's like, you go first and let us know if you hit anything at the bottom. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you went first, Uh, you're one of the first out there before we all head to these races. And, you know, you you're giving us some really good feedback uh, for people to look at their preparation, going in some questions to ask themselves, some little extra tips on how to be better prepared and then what to expect when they actually get their boots on the ground and, and mentally how to approach that and, and just, you know, attitude wise, what to, what to expect and what to go there with. So, you know, appreciate, I think everybody can say they appreciate that insight before they head to maybe some of their first races. So, so thanks for being willing to do that.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, thank you guys for listening to, to my, uh, my little race recap, hopefully enjoyed it. And thank you guys for joining me for the chat. Um, Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about like the changing seasons and weather and how that really can play a role in how your training is going and how you're feeling and, and how you can maybe adapt to that. And, um, yeah, for now, if you do have any questions for any of us, please feel free to, to reach out, especially if you have questions for, for the podcast. And if, if you do like the podcast, feel free to, you know, share it with your friends, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, give us a rating and hopefully five stars. If, if there's something we can do to make it a five-star podcast, please let us know. Um, yeah. Thank you guys very much for being here. Thanks guys. Thanks, Jesse. Sure. Thanks, Maron.